I tend not to be a donut eater. I, <laughs> I like my oatmeal. <clears throat> Our scripture reading today is from 2 Kings chapter 22 and into chapter 23, skipping portions. It's a story about Josiah, the young king, who goes about repairing the temple, a major renovation and cleaning up of the temple, particularly of the gods of the Assyrians who had ruled over Israel before. And they find something in the temple, a great treasure. See if you can hear that part. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. He reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, daughter of Adai of Boscath. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right or to the left. In the 18th year of King Josiah, the king sent Saphon, son of Azaliah, son of Meshulam, and the treasure to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to the high priest Hilkiah and have him count the entire sum of money that has been brought into the house of the Lord which the keepers of the threshold have collected from the people. Let it be given un into the hands of the workers who have, have oversight of the house of the Lord. Let them give it to the workers who are at the house of the Lord, repairing the house, that is the carpenters, to the builders, to the masons, and let them use it to buy and timber by, by timber and quarried stone to repair the house. But no accounting shall be asked them from them for the money that is delivered into their hands, for they deal honestly. The high priest Hilkiah said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. When Hilkiah gave the book to Saphon, he read it. Then Saphon, the secretary, came to the king and responded to the king, reported to the king. Your servants have emptied out the money that has been found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of the workers who have, been, have oversight of the house of the Lord. Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king that, that, that priest Hilkiah has given me a book. Saphon then read it aloud to the king. When the king heard the words of the word of the law, he tore his clothes. Then the king commanded the priest Hilkiah and Achikam, son of Saphon, Akbar, son of Micaiah, Saphon, the secretary, and the king's servant, Asiah, said, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me, for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that has been found. 
For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our ancestors did not obey the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. Then the king directed that all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem should be gathered to him. The king went up to the house of the Lord, and with him went all the people of Judah, all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and prophets, and prophets, and all the people, both small and great. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord, keeping his commandments, his decrees, and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of the covenant that was written in the book. And all the people joined in the covenant. Thanks be to God. In the back of their hymnal, there is a section that talks about, that makes references, hymns that have references to scripture. And there are very few references to Second Kings, but there is this one song, which we are going to sing. Number 406, which refers to what we just heard. Um, it's simple and easy, and you'll be able to just jump right in. I'll sing it once through, and then we'll sing it together four more times, so five total.
think perhaps we're supposed to learn that donuts are best when shared with everyone. And I think the donut lesson, thank you, Esben, um, I think the donut lesson might actually be connected with our text. So let's see. Let's see if we can find a place where they resonate a little bit. Second Kings, we don't hear many sermons from this part of the Bible, and it's one of the joys of the narrative lectionary is that we dip in to various parts of the Hebrew Bible through the fall that aren't typically heard in most Christian gatherings. Well, here we have Josiah, who was eight years old when he becomes kings, when he becomes king. And Second Kings gives us the punchline right out of the gates. We know that Josiah is a very good king because the narrator tells us. Josiah was eight years old when he became king and he ruled for 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidiah. She was Adiah's daughter and was from Bozkoth. He did what was right in God's eyes and walked in the ways of his ancestor David, not deviating from it even a bit to the right or to the left. Whew. Josiah was a very good king. There's no question about this. The preamble tells us, so the rest of the story, just we just have to refer back because we know a lot of, we don't know a lot of things, but what we know is Josiah is a very good king, according to the narrator. So the very next part of the story is actually this rather lengthy and detailed discourse about paying workers, laborers, and paying them justly and trusting them according to the very good King Josiah's orders the people who are actually handing over the money aren't even to account for it. They don't need to worry about it. Pay the laborers, pay them justly. You don't need to track this or overlord it or micromanage or anything like that. They are honest and trustworthy workers. Give them the money they're due and be done with it. So there's this long discourse about labor justice as a very concrete example of why and how Josiah is a very good king. This exact story could have been told, and we maybe would have said, well, that's a little naive, don't you think, on the part of the king, not to like keep good track of, of the resources and the money and not to make sure the people aren't squandering it? We could read it with a critical eye, but we have been told Josiah is a very good king. So he's trusting the workers, paying them their due. And this is very good in the eyes of the narrator and the text. Now, this is important. This is important to remember that Josiah, who became king at the age of eight, who was a labor justice sort of king, very good king. It is good to remember he is a very good king because of where we are headed and where we are headed is the high priest going into the temple that is under repair and finding a scroll. Finding a scroll. One of the five books of what we now refer to as the Torah. 
it is a very important scroll. The name of that scroll is Deuteronomy, and it has been missing. It's been missing. It was locked away in a closet somewhere. People forgot about it. Um, I have a feeling we are going to find all sorts of things that are tucked away in closets uh, when it comes time to move out of this building that have been there maybe even for generations. And we're going to find them, and then we're going to have to decide what to do with them. Well, in this case, the high priest finds Deuteronomy of all things and pretty immediately knows that this is important. What has been found is very important. In fact, the priest reads it, <sighs> trembles, I'm guessing, and then runs to the king, the very good king, Josiah, to report to him that they have found this scroll. Now, I'm going to take just a brief pause in the story here to say that one of my favorite biblical commentators uh, says that Deuteronomy is essentially like case law. It is detailed case law that gets all up in our business. Indeed, it does. If you haven't read Deuteronomy recently, you can just flip to pretty much any part of Deuteronomy, and you will see it is getting all up in your business and my business and our business collectively. In fact, some of our favorite stuff, those every seven year Sabbath years, those every 50 year Jubilee years, when slaves are freed, when land is returned, when debts are forgiven, all that good juicy stuff, that is detailed in Deuteronomy. So this is what has been collecting dust in the back corner of a closet somewhere. All right, coming back into the story, the high priest rushes to the very good King Josiah to show this scroll that has just been found and reads it to the very good King Josiah. And the very good King Josiah, as soon as he hears the words of the scroll, rends his clothing. I kind of like that old-fashioned word. Rends his clothing, rips it. This is a way of showing grief and sorrow and mourning. When someone dies, you rend your clothing in sorrow and grief. Josiah was a very good king. He did everything. What did, we, what did it say here? He did what was right in God's eyes and walked in the ways of his ancestors, not deviating from those ways one bit from the, to the right or to the left. The very good King Josiah reads Deuteronomy or has Deuteronomy read to him for the very first time and rends his clothing because he knows even this hasn't been enough. There were more details. There were more details about how to live as a people dedicated to God's ways of justice and peace. There were ways to live that even he hadn't imagined. And it had been tucked away in a back corner. I mean, he couldn't have known. He could not have known. He did the best he could without it. He couldn't have known. And yet there were more details there. He is in intense grief. 
on behalf of himself and his people. Because while they did very good, they could have done better. They missed some pieces. There were some underbellies they hadn't considered to their actions. And so he immediately, as he rends his clothing, he then sends one of his officials to go to the prophet Huldah. She is somewhere. We don't know where Huldah is, but she is somewhere. Please go find Huldah, the prophet, and ask God on my behalf and on behalf of the people and on behalf of all of Judah because it's clear to him that they have not been as radical as God called the people to be through the covenant and the law that was detailed in that book of Deuteronomy. Go to Hulda and ask for counsel, for wisdom. What do we do now that the scroll has been pulled out of the corner of the closet? What do we do with this new knowledge? Well, the story carries on, and we heard the very end of the story from Sheldon this morning. That when they go to Hulda and they ask, and she sends word back, then the king reads the scroll to all the people of Judah. What he does is he shares information. He shares explicitly all the words of that Deuteronomy getting all up in your business about how we can live as a just people. He shares every word of the Sabbath years and the Jubilee years and the releasing of servants and slaves, the freeing of all peoples. He reads the words about the canceling of debts, canceling of debts. Can you imagine such a thing? He reads the words about the returning of the land. He reads these radical words and he gives this vision to the people so that all the people can know what the grand vision of God is. And then they enter into a renewed covenant with God. I think that there's something here about donuts and kings. <laughs> One of the things is that no one person can save us, not even a great and just king. Not even a great and just king who deviates not to the right or to the left. No one human can save us. And I'd maybe even say, especially not a king. <laughs> That's a whole other story. We're getting to Jesus very soon. In a couple of weeks, we're getting to Jesus, and Jesus is going to subvert all those notions of kings and kingdoms, isn't he? He's going to make real clear there's no king that can save us. But even in this story here, we have that. What we have is Josiah bringing it to the whole people and saying that this path that we are called to, this, this path of Jubilee, justice, and joy is for all of us. In fact, listen to this. One of the things that I could not get out of my head and my heart when I was reading, with the, reading this text and preparing for the sermon were all the alls. Listen to these alls. Okay, when they reported the prophet Hulda's words as she had given them to the king Josiah, who'd sought her counsel and her wisdom, he called all the people, and the king went up to the Lord's temple together with 
all the people of Judah and all the citizens of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets and all the people, young and old alike. There the king read out loud all the words of the covenant scroll that had been found in the Lord's temple. The king stood beside the pillar, made a covenant with God that he would follow God by keeping God's commandments, God's laws, and God's regulations with all his heart and all his being in order to fulfill the words of this covenant that were written in the scroll all of the people accepted the covenant all 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 the people all their hearts all their minds all their strength all 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 are somehow in this renewed covenant and i hear in that donuts for all <sighs> And I hear that this path that we're called to of God's grand vision of Jubilee justice is for all of us. It's for all of us. And anytime there's an all, there's a whole lot of eyes. So there's an all with each one of us bringing our unique giftedness into the all committed to a life together, a collective life, a life that God has laid before God's people and said, here is here. You think you've got a very good king. I've got a very good life, a very good life for us, for all to walk together, a collective life to share, and then to recommit to over and over and over and over and over again. Because as very, very good as we might be, we're going to need to recommit over and over and over again. The animals think they're having a donut party, and it's fun for everyone. And they don't even notice until that hangry that Luann hasn't had a single one. And what do they do? Well, they recommit to a donut party for everyone. They make it right. They show up with more donuts. And this time, they make sure <laughs> that everyone, including Luann, has enough. We live this life not because it's going to lead to some specific outcome. It will. It's going to lead to lots of outcomes. But that's not the reason we bring our unique giftedness to a collective and shared life that we recommit to over and over again. That's not the reason. The reason we do it is because we seek to be faithful. This is the way God has laid before God's people. And we commit to it not because it's going to be successful, but because it is faithful. This makes me think of, and you're going to hear more about this next week. Again, you've been, some of you have been hearing about it for a long time. We've been on this long journey of discernment sporadically with one parish, one prisoner through underground ministries up in Skagit Valley. And we got to a certain point in our discernment and we decided, okay, let's invite Chris Hoke to present. And then we'll just see because one parish, one prisoner, for those of you who may not know, it's a group of our friends up in Skagit Valley who noticed that there are about exactly the same number of churches as there are people in prisons in our state. And what if every church matched with every prisoner and we just showed up in relationship for one another? What if? What might happen? 
And we had him up here and we said, well, okay. They say that it's good to have seven to 10 people on a team. That seems like an awful lot of people to make a two-year commitment of this many hours per month. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> we, we had a team. <laughs> we have a team. And so we met with, for orientation with Alvin Shim a number of weeks ago, and you're gonna hear more about her along the way, but Susie is our person. We can share her name and we can share a photo that she shared with us, which you'll get to see next week. Uh, Susie's our person, and we're going to be with Susie for the next couple of years at least. And that's uh, it's a scary journey and an exciting one. And um, we have been primed by our one parish, one prisoner friends that our hearts may end up broken, that we're going to need to constantly, constantly, constantly call ourselves away from the path of success and on to the path of faithfulness. How do we keep showing up and not need one specific outcome or else it was all a bust? How do we keep showing up to be in relationship come what may? Mess up, say we're sorry, try it again. Mess up again, say we're sorry, try it again. How do we keep showing up faithfully to the path? That's the path, both in this one particular area, uh, one parish, one prisoner, and the journey that our team is going to bring all of you along on for the next couple of years. Uh, that's what I long for for that path, but also it's what I long for for our life together, that we keep faithfully recommitting, showing up to the path, bringing our unique giftedness, offering it into the collective all and walking the path of God's grand vision of justice. Amen, and may it be so.